This week's talk is called Live Action Living. As I, I, I thought, I don't, I, I don't know where my talk titles come from a lot of times. <laughs> I just sit there and think, okay. What, and, and then an idea comes to me, and then by the time I'm doing the talk, it's like, I wonder why that came to me, and I wonder why. But, but I'm very clear, Live Action Living. That's what we're doing. Otherwise, we're just sitting and observing. Otherwise, we're just watching a movie. And if you could ever find it, you probably could find it on YouTube. Uh, a, a gentleman named Spencer Day wrote a song called The Movie of Your Life. And years ago, I was gonna have him sing here, and then he moved to San Francisco, and it never happened. And, but I loved it, I lit his nightclub act a lot of years ago. And, but this song, it's called The Movie of Your Life. Go out of your way to listen to it. And the question in the song is, did you enjoy the movie of your life? Uh, would you, what would you do over again? What would you? But think about your life, because so many people, they observe their life as if they're not in it. And then they feel the pain of it like they're at the movie theater watching somebody in pain up there, but they don't quite connect. But live action living means you're present in the living of your life, which I know is obvious. But nevertheless, to think about it and say, oh, I'm not just an observer, I'm a participant. And what is my life? Now, there are some teachings that will tell you um, this earth and all this physicality isn't real. Nevertheless, whether it's real or not, it feels real. And as far as I can tell, I have choices in what to think, what to say, and what to do in this life. And, and so as long as I feel that it's as real as it is, I'm going to go with it. And seek to be an active participant in it. When I get into my car to drive, I do believe I am driving the car. It's not being driven for me. When I go into my house, I believe it's me going into my house. I don't think there's somebody that looks like me is going into my house. And yet I used to, I used to, I, I spent a lot of life thinking life was happening to me. Anybody? Never feel like life is happening to me, and why does it keep happening like this? Because uh, I thought I had no say uh, in my life, and I do. I have a say. And places like Unity taught me I have a say in my life. I may not have a say in all of the, all of the. The word I want. What's well, so, the the things that happen. But I have a complete say in how I experience it. The events, thank you. I may not have a say in all of the events of life, but I have a definite say in how I experience them. And clearly, I may not have a say whether I remember were things, <laughs> but, I, but even that, I have a say in how I experience forgetting. And I have a say in how I experience joy and peace and love and misery and, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. I, I, I've told this story before, and it's been, but it's been a while. 
in my healing process, I wanted to stop, I, I really wanted to eradicate victimhood. I did not want my day to be one where awful things happened to me all day long. I didn't want to keep thinking, why me, God? Why me? I hadn't yet heard, why not me? But, but I remember the thing, that there was a, an incident that really showed me I have power. I had dogs in my New York apartment, and I was about to walk them, and I had the leashes on, and Barney, my Cocker Spaniel, he, he raced forward, and that leash caught, and it knocked over a big glass of water. And I saw it there, and, and I could feel the heat coming up immediately, and then I thought, nope, change it with this. God, I was hoping that would happen. And I laughed. I had a whole different experience. I didn't have my mother's experience over spilling water. I didn't have my mother's wrath over me spilling water. I spilled water. And it's like, oh. I had a whole new experience. And I realized I'm choosing. I'm completely choosing. I remember I had a dog, my dog Barney, he was he was failing his kidneys and stuff and I would get so upset if he peed in the house in the apartment just just get so upset and one day I really really got upset to the point where he bared his teeth at me and I thought oh I can't have this and I just slid down the wall sat on the floor and I apologized and he came over and loved me he came over got in my lap and we hugged oh I, I can choose I'm always choosing. I was choosing the misery. I can choose the joy. Misery doesn't happen to me, and joy doesn't happen to me. Live action living is me choosing. It's the activity of spirit in me. And so stuff happens. Uh, you know, this <laughs> years ago when I had a hernia removed, uh, I remember David kept telling because I would apologize every time I needed something. And I needed a lot. First night I had to be pulled out of bed every time I wanted to go pee. Because it was, uh, I don't know if that's polite to say in church. Or the pulpit, <laughs> but every time I had to use the restroom. Uh, I had another, a minister in Oklahoma once criticized me for saying that word on the pulpit. Oh. But, but every time I had to use the restroom, uh, that last little bit of getting up, I needed. So I had to wake David every time. Uh, I apologize, oh, David, I'm so sorry. I have to, he said, you don't have to keep doing that. But this week, he was doing it. <laughs> he, he's, he's been extremely grateful for anywhere where I've helped. Uh, but it sounded a lot like the old days this morning we were talking about it. And I, I appreciate a thank you every single time. Don't get me wrong. It's nice when they, it's not just taken for granted that, it, that when even your closest person to you appreciates what you do and it's not just taken for granted and it's it is my joy to be, get to be present it makes things different i noticed i'm late for things a little bit this week i uh, and stuff and i'm running up and down steps more but whatever he needs it so it's my turn it's my job and it's it's not a hardship on my life and it shouldn't be a hardship on his to need it you know we all need we all need help in one way or another in different events. And so many people are so afraid to ask. 
for fear that someone will say no, for fear they will be obligated and indebted uh, for the out of the shame of needing. You shouldn't need anything. No, then they're going to see me as weak. Then they're going to be. It's like no. This is an opportunity for us to work together to find peace in the solution. And the funny part is, I know darn well, if I had to say no this week, David would have found somebody else or we'd have found somebody else to take care of him. But he didn't need somebody else. I was there. I'd been there. People have dropped off groceries. It's, it's just amazing. The little things. One person dropped off a bag of groceries that we have absolutely no use for the other day. Uh, <laughs> filled with sugar and it's filled with all sorts of things. But it's nice. It's lovely that somebody wants to do that. And, and so, that actually not somebody, a lot of people. And so to witness, oh, the village comes together to help one another. I've never used that term in my entire life. But that's what it, I could see it as. This, the village has come together because they love David, they love me, and they want to make things easier in one way or another and offer comfort. And I guess David and I offer comfort to some people, and yay. And we're not setting, oh, I'm going to make you comfortable. Uh, I will uh, I will sooner afflict the comfortable <laughs> than I will uh, by by asking provocative questions a lot of times that that I make the afflicted comfortable uh, and and so to look at that and say okay we're all working together and I used to think the common goal was either to make money to maintain our home to get approval as a kid to get a new bicycle you know to get something I thought I didn't have because the one thing I didn't understand that I both had and didn't have is the activity of God present in my life what I had and didn't have was the awareness that God is my source and that I could prove that source true at any moment. I, you know, I, I think it's obvious I had it, but I didn't know I had it. And as long as I didn't know I had it, I made things harder. Anybody? Anybody made things harder this week because you forgot your source. You forgot that there's, you are not your source. You are the activity of your source in the flesh, you and I. We are the activity of God in the flesh. But we are not God itself, even though we have all the aspects of God within us. And that's why, if God is all, that means God is everything I like and everything I don't like. The thing is, that most of the stuff I don't like, even a lot of stuff I do like, is temporary. And so it's, it's just a small thing activity of God. What's the old, I, I always love this analogy that we, God is in us like the ocean is in the wave. It takes the whole ocean to make the wave. 
but the wave is not the ocean itself. And it takes all of God to make me, but I am not all of God itself. And, and so there is, so you see, there's no separation. The, it's not like suddenly there's a line and from the ocean and there's the wave happening. No, it's And it's the same with God in us. There's, there's never a disconnect except in thought between God and ourselves. One person, he used the analogy, I don't know if it was, that God is in us like the, 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 the chocolate chip is in the cookie. <laughs> I don't think it's quite the same thing, but it's fun. Uh, but, but to really, no disconnect. There is no disconnect between the wave and the ocean, no disconnect between God and ourselves. And so we need to spend more precious moments of our day in the realization of that, of reminding ourselves, wait a minute, God is in me. I don't even know what that means, but I'm willing to accept that it's true. When I started accepting things like that were true, life became simpler because I wasn't trying to figure it out anymore. I didn't try to figure out how God is in me, like the wave is in the ocean. I could say, I could, I've been to the ocean. Anybody not been to the ocean? <laughs> you start to raise your hand. <laughs> I, say, I know where you travel. Are you going to say the opposite? No. But, and so you've seen a wave. And uh, you know, it, the water came in, poof, a wave. And it, it's, it wasn't a fluke, it wasn't a freak accident, and it wasn't separate from that big body of water behind it. And so think of your life as no accident, no fluke, and it's not happening in spite of you and it's not happening at you or to you. Life is a continuous flow and it's cyclical. It's the same with money. Money is cyclical. You know, our weight is cyclical. Uh, and just, and our, our relationships, our harmony is cyclical. You know, some days we like each other, some days we don't. And it's because something happens that triggers us and we tell ourselves, oh, I don't like that, so I'm not going to like you. And, I, and that's probably one of the biggest regrets of my life experience is that I tell myself who to like and who not to like based on an untrue past, based on untrue events. Nevertheless, I still tell myself who to like and who not to like, who's trustworthy, who isn't trustworthy, who is this, who is that, who is attractive, who isn't attractive, all based on an untrue past. We do well to pay attention to that. So I looked this up. Charles Fillmore wrote this in some unpublished, uh, I guess, essays. But it's Holy Spirit as the moving force. Mr. Fillmore says, and he's, uh, uh, the activity of God, the moving force, the spirit is the infinite breath of God, the life essence of being. And when he said this, he, oh, he's quoting John 20 here. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And that sounds so religious. 
because uh, my background hearing that, I would have thought, oh, that's that other church that we don't go to that says things like that, because my church, I don't remember ever hearing the words Holy Spirit in. Uh, but receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if our Bible, and I'll take it as you will, there are some things I like about it, and, and some things I like. What's the old like? I don't know much about the Bible, but I know what I like. <laughs> and I know what I don't like. I don't like the part that scares me. And I like the part that tells me I'm good. Anybody? <laughs> okay. So the functions ascribed to the Holy Comforter, which Jesus said in his ascendance, said, I will send you a comforter. Uh, or Holy Spirit or Spirit of Truth imply distinct personal subsistence. He is said to speak, search, select, reveal, reprove, testify, lead, comfort, distribute to every man, know the deep things of God, and he can be known by man only through his spiritual nature. Now that quote comes from Fillmore's book, The Mysteries of John. I agree with this. I've never read this before today, but it is what I preach about Holy Spirit. From what I was taught of Spirit, few years ago, just a few years ago, I, I before I was when I really latched on to Holy Spirit as a guide and as a friend. And that's why I do the retreats, you know, the what is spirit or, you know, spirit tell me what to think retreats. And it's why I do a daily conversation with Holy Spirit. I get answers. I don't get answers at all. I, I, I mean, I, I, that doesn't make any sense. I get answers. But I have to pay attention to the questions I ask. Spirit doesn't tell me about things of the earth, really. It won't, doesn't tell me how to get a job. Doesn't tell me how to get, tell me how to get more cash. It doesn't do that kind of stuff. It helps me with my thinking. It guides me in letting me know what I've been thinking and what I could be thinking. Now, in our first class Wednesday night this past week, uh, with the power of now, and the, you know, the second half is conversations with spirit. Uh, a writing and somebody new came to the class somebody from New York and as she pointed out something that is so important to recognize because I explained to her what to do I said well you know we asked uh, the question I gave the class the other night was spirit tell me what to think about my thinking or tell me about my thinking uh, and I said and if you want to ask other questions beyond that go on well, one per and then we share what we've written. Well, one person, she listed a litany of questions. And I said, well, you've asked all these questions, but you didn't give spirit any chance to answer. So what good are your questions if you're not listening? Because, you see, this process of working with what I call Holy Spirit, which is the highest voice within us, is about communion, a conscious communion with spirit, a conscious communion with it. It's not an intellectual process. It is a spiritual process for me to come to terms with my spirit self rather than my human self. It is also a process of forgiving the mistakes within my human self. But this relationship with spirit and so many people 
are talking to and at God, to and at spirit, but they're really not interested in what the information they seek is. They're so busy talking. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> early on, I, I would catch myself every now and then. I'd say, Spirit, tell me what to think about the Bible and tell me to think this. You know, that's the underlying sneaky part. And tell me what to tell me what to think about Millie. And tell me to think this. And that's like, and and that's my insanity. I'm still trying to control it all because I still think I'm my own source. And I need to let that go. And and day day by day, thought by thought, conversation with by conversation, I transform it because otherwise. I'm just talking to myself, and that's why the power of now is so great. Because as soon as I talk about, start thinking about yesterday, I've left the now. And unless I'm proficient enough at this practice to realize if I'm thinking about tomorrow, unless I know right now I'm making a plan for tomorrow, but if I'm projecting how I'm going to feel tomorrow, I'm not in the now. Now, this can be tough, if you're planning a vacation, you're planning a trip. Oh, and then we're going to go to Niagara Falls. And, and the reason I'm excited that, about that is because I imagine when I get to Niagara Falls, I'm going to feel this way. When I get to Dollywood, I'm going to feel this way. You know, when I get to Uncle Joe's, I'm going to feel this way. You know, when I get to wherever, and, we're, we're, and I've left the now. If right now, I'm imagining being at Niagara Falls, and I go ahead and have the experience right now of what I imagine the falls to be, then I'm great. So that way when I come, come out of that fantasy, we'll say, I know that happened right now. I don't know how I'll feel when I drive to Niagara Falls or wherever you get my point, or when I go beyond. Uh, when I get to the beyond, I don't know how I'm going to feel. And so uh, it could be wonderful. It could be horrible. And it, whatever. But right now, I need to know I'm, I'm calling these feelings up now. Not then. Otherwise, I have left the now. And I'm in, I'm nowhere. He goes on to say, we have potentially, oh, wait a minute. He says, the spirit of God moves upon the love of God and the love of God is Holy Spirit. And that's why I say, when I have these uh, conversations with Holy Spirit, I feel totally loved. I feel totally seen because this voice that I, that writes to me on the paper speaks in a voice that I can understand. And I trust that if anybody else who practices this, this spirit will speak to them in a way that they can understand. And I always like to remind people, when you do this, if spirit is scolding you, shaming you, that's not spirit, that's your ego. That's your ego coming right out. That's yesterday, that's your parents God, that's somebody else's God coming to talk to you. And it's not true. Because the it's called the comforter for Pete's sake. It's not called the discomforter. <laughs> the uncomforter. It's 
called the Comforter, Spirit, the voice for God. Make a choice now. Make an assumption now. You are loved eternally by God. And you can't not be loved by God. Whatever God is, you cannot not be loved by it. That's why they, they say, I, I was taught early on in unity, God doesn't love me because God can't not love me. God is love itself. And so to get on with that practice, it says we, we potentially have we have potentially the Holy Spirit within us. We couldn't live a minute without a certain degree of Holy Spirit activity. But we can enlarge that. We can enlarge it to the point that we shall have the all of Holy Spirit working in us and through us. The Holy Spirit is defined as the moving force or the activity of God. This activity brings the absolute aspects of God's nature into our relative experience. The Holy Spirit moves, stirs, brings into being. It is the energy of God in motion, bringing divine ideas into expression. It is always working in us to bring us into a greater realization of our oneness in God. Live action living. Everything that is happening is happening now. It's not happening then. Everything that is happening now you know, and, and it's hard because we plan things for the future. We want to know now, what is it going to feel like? Some of you who have planned show, to do a show or even sing a song. What's it going to feel like to sing that? What's it going to feel? I can't wait to get there. And you miss out on the journey of getting there. You miss out. and Because uh, the experience goes by in a blip. The experience, uh, most songs are three minutes long. It's over. But the process of learning the song, the process of learning how to knit, the process of learning your job, the process of a career turning out differently and looking differently than you had anticipated it looking, the, the process of you know, what you do with the oils, the process when Kenneth and I, you know, we, like when we've done Christmas here in the past, we've been in the moment. It's not a matter of, oh, I've got to get this wreath hung so I can get out of here and go have lunch. It's a matter of, oh, no, we've got to hang the wreath, so let's do it and let's have the best time we can and then let's look at it. Oh, that's nice. So, <laughs> so I'm going to read this one last thing. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter... When you believe in the world, you make the mistake of acting out your belief in the world. How is this a mistake truly? It is a mistake because you look as action, excuse me, oh, because you took, I'm sorry, you took an action that you shouldn't have. Is this a mistake because you have revealed yourself to your brothers and sisters as less than what they thought you were? Is this a mistake within the world for which you are guilty? This is what you believe, but you believe this because you believe the world is true. And this is why acting in the world is a mistake. Acting in your belief that the world is real is a mistake because it continues the belief within the mind. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously shall also reap generously. This means that what you give 
you experience. So in life, action, living, what are you giving out into the world? What are you giving to yourself? What are you giving to each other? What are we giving to each other? In live action living, take on the nature of God in your conscious mind. You know, what is God's nature in this? And what is God's nature in this? And all you have to do is go within and ask, and it will be revealed like that. And you'll say, oh, I wish I hadn't asked. <laughs> Some days. Oh, man, I wish I hadn't asked. I could have saved a lot more money or spent it elsewhere if I hadn't asked. And I, and I could have done this, and I could have done And then you realize, oh, I'm so glad I asked. Because now I'm acting in reality. Now I'm reacting in my true divine nature. Kenna started the first song with, now that I have begun, I want more than I have. Well, why wouldn't we? And what am I going to do? I'm going to try anyway. Even if I didn't succeed this first time, I'm going to try anyway. And he's leading up to this next song and the realization that I want the bigness that is God, the bigness that is me. I want the life that is and the experience of it rather than the story of it. Do you understand the difference? I want the experience of life in action instead of the story of life in action. You know, when we leave here today, we're going to go out and we're going to have a bunch of experiences. Put the story down and be. We are livers. We're, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> We're the livers of life. <laughs> We're the experiencers. That's hysterical. <laughs> oh, God is good. I was hoping I'd say that. <laughs> and so, to realize, oh, 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 oh. We are the experiencers of life. We are God's beloved children of the divine source. We're not watching a movie. We're not even the stars of the movie. We are co-creators amongst each other, creating a divine experience. Let's listen to Kenneth.